culture tells us that we should just be pushing through and we should just be not acknowledging the impact that our hormones have or the different phases of our cycle have instead of really embracing them and using them to our advantage. Hey there, welcome to the Biohacker Babes podcast. We are your hosts. I'm Renee, a certified nutritional consultant with a master's degree in nutrition. What's up? And I'm Lauren, functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner and Czech movement specialist. We're sisters and we're joining forces to empower you to become your own biohacker and upgrade your life. Our mission is to provide actionable steps so you can optimize your health, strengthen your intuition, and support your body's natural healing abilities. Because life is too short to not feel your best every single day. Thank you for joining us and welcome to the show. Welcome to episode 142 of the Biohacker Babes. My name is Renee and I'm tuning in with my sister, Lauren. Hey babe, how's it going? Chiming in from windy Las Vegas today. That's why I was like, can you hear the wind? It's like 60 no. mile an hour winds outside. I'm feeling oh, like- Oh gosh, I couldn't hear it because Rudy was snoring. So it's a battle <laughs> of the sounds. That works out. <laughs> yeah, I feel like the big bad wolf is going to blow my house over any second now. It's like, oh, uh oh. Like we were literally strapping things down on the roof today, like we were preparing for a hurricane, but there's no rain. So it's just the wind. Anyways, so beautiful Las Vegas today. And we have an awesome guest coming on the show today. We have Dr. Julie Fouché from Wild Health. Super excited to have someone from the Wild Health team on the show. We've been following their work for a couple of years. Um, Dr. Matt Dawson is one of the founders and their combination of precision medicine, biohacking, data quantification, looking at nutrition, fitness, sleep, all the basics. I mean, they're really putting this whole comprehensive program together for patients that's I think unlike what most people are doing. So it's pretty awesome what they're doing. Um, but also I think her background, so she has a very extensive background in CrossFit, but combining that with her medical training, she brings a really unique approach to holistic health. So today we get into kind of busting some CrossFit myths, getting into the genetic side of fitness, you know, what role our genetics play for overall health and longevity, other chronic issues. And really how we can incorporate this precision medicine or basically personalized medicine to move the needle faster. So I like that she has this approach of like, Hey, we need to do these 50 things to optimize your health, but these three are the things that are going to move the needle fastest for you. So using that practitioner eye that she has, she's able to help clients do that and get there much faster. So great conversation. I loved her. She's super sweet. Yes. And so smart. Her journey. I mean, just becoming an athlete, going through CrossFit and knowing that she wanted to go into medicine and then just taking a deep dive into functional medicine, obviously filling the gaps and, and kind of fixing what our disease model of healthcare is right now by moving towards prevention, which we are trying to do, but she's really doing it. Wild Health is just phenomenal. Their lab reports are extensive, comprehensive, and she's just so sweet. I would want to see her. Yes. <laughs> I, maybe I will. Yeah. Yeah. So she just has such a great perspective. And of course, we love to have females on the show. So I think you are going to enjoy this conversation very much. Great. So Dr. Julie Fouché is a board certified family physician and has completed her coursework through the Institute for Functional Medicine. She received her undergraduate degree from the University of Michigan in biomedical engineering and completed her medical school and residency training at the Cleveland Clinic. Julie also holds a master's in nutrition from Case Western Reserve University and has completed the integrative medicine and residency curriculum through the University of Arizona. Julie competed in the CrossFit Games from 2010 to 2015, where she consistently finished among the top five women with two podium finishes. Her passion lies in bridging the gap between fitness and medicine to empower individuals to live healthier, more fulfilling lives. She continues to do CrossFit for health and longevity and hosts a popular health and fitness podcast called Pursuing Health. Wonderful. All right. Can't wait for you to hear this conversation. Let's do it. All right. Dr. Fouché, welcome to the Biohacker Babes. Thanks for joining us today. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, we're excited to chat about some awesome, fun topics today. When we were first introduced to you, I think we were both really impressed by how you are bridging the gap between the fitness world and the precision medicine, lifestyle medicine, functional medicine world. And it was funny timing when we got connected because Lauren and I were literally just at a, a health conference a couple of weeks ago. 
And it was great. The speakers were great. The panels were awesome. By the end of the week, Lauren and I turned to each other and we're like, no one talked about exercise the whole weekend. And here we are talking about longevity and biohacking. We're like, exercise is potentially a free biohack, right? Depending Mm -hmm. on what you're doing. But the research is endless. We all know that we need to be incorporating exercise and fitness into our healthy routine, right? I don't think anyone would argue that. So we were a little bit shocked that that wasn't presented. So we're excited to hear from you today, how you're kind of bridging that gap. And another aspect that's really cool, you know, we talk about the blue zones a lot about on on the show and the blue zones are any areas that a lot of the population is living to over a hundred. So if anyone's not familiar with that, but two things that they all have in common is they all have some kind of exercise activity movement and community and CrossFit is great for both of those. I think that's one of the pieces of fitness that has both aspects. So to kick us off, I want to know what kind of drew you into the CrossFit world and yeah, how'd you get into that? Oh, great question. And so many things there that you're talking about. I love it. I feel like we could dive into so many different angles on exercise and also just the basics, like how important the basics are. And it's so easy to to go into the fancy latest new thing when exercise and sleep and stress reduction and community and purpose are always the foundation and have so much of an impact on our health and longevity. But starting with CrossFit, I... Uh, I had grown up playing or doing gymnastics and running track and field in high school. And then I went to the university of Michigan for college. I wasn't good enough to do any like gymnastics or any sports there, but I knew I wanted to go there for school. So I found myself sort of lost, like doing the traditional thing. Like, let me go to the gym and um, go on all these weight machines and do sit-ups and take my, read my biochemistry notes while I'm on the elliptical machine or whatever (laughs) it is but I just felt like something was missing. I always knew I really liked pushing myself. I felt like I knew that my body was made to move, but I just didn't know what to do. And so halfway through college, I was first introduced to CrossFit, just saw the website crossfit.com, which lists the workout of the day every day. And I immediately was attracted to it because it was something that was different every day. And it incorporated all the things that I like to do. So there was running sometimes or different endurance exercise, like rowing. There was gymnastics movements like pull-ups and push-ups and air squats, and then weightlifting, which I didn't have as much experience with, but a little bit when I was in high school. And so the idea that it was a different workout every day was really exciting for me. And then when I first walked into a CrossFit affiliate, a couple months later, it really felt like home. It felt like I was walking into the gymnastics gym when I was a kid where there was a coach leading the class and everybody was just hanging out and learning new skills and excited about getting better. And so I was immediately hooked and just knew that it was something I wanted to do. Yeah. Yeah. Renee and I have both been into CrossFit at certain periods in our lives and have just loved it immensely. And I miss it a lot. I really miss walking in and feeling like I'm a part of something and having that community aspect that pushes me to do better. I see a lot of good coming out of it. I guess I'm curious from your perspective, what do you think CrossFit boxes are doing really well? And maybe what are they missing? Great question. So I think the, like you said, the community is probably the thing that makes CrossFit so special. And I think the community is really forged by the exercise that we're doing. So it's because we're taking on a really hard challenge together. So you're going through something that's really difficult side by side with these other people. Um, and that brings you closer together and it forges this bond. It's, you know, it's not just, I'm going to come in and do my 20 minutes on the treadmill with my earbuds in and leave. It's let me push myself beyond what I think I can do. Let me try a new skill. Let me, you know, go a little bit further than I did yesterday by the nature of the workouts, by the nature of the way things are, are done for time. And we keep track of our scores and our fitness. And so that makes a really strong community. Unlike, you know, many other fitness communities that I've seen is that there's just such a strong sense of community and purpose and belonging and care. You know, I think especially the gyms who are doing it really well, it's because they really genuinely care about all their members. Like when, when somebody doesn't show up for a few days, they're texting them and reaching out. Where are you? We miss Mm -hmm. you. They genuinely care about helping people get better and about what's going on in their lives. And when you do that, good things just happen. So I think that's what makes CrossFit so special. I think that what there's a lot of things that we could probably do better as a community across the board. I think one is just that there's this huge intimidation factor. And I think that is a result of the fact that the CrossFit games were 
the thing that people saw first most of the time when they were introduced to CrossFit. And so it makes it feel like, oh my gosh, you have to be super fit and competitive and you have to be able to do handstand pushups and all these crazy things on the rings in order to do CrossFit. And I hear so many times about people who feel like they need to get in shape before they come to CrossFit. And I think that is on our part, a problem in the way that we have messaged ourselves to the rest of the world, because that's so not what CrossFit is at its core and at its foundation. CrossFit really is for everybody. It's just about teaching the fundamentals and the basics and meeting you where you're at. And you don't have to be fit before you walk in. It's walking in the door and having a trainer who can meet you where you're at and teach you the basics and then slowly ramp up that intensity and then slowly ramp up the ability for you to be in an environment that feels more intense um, and being able to scale and regulate appropriately. So I think that's one of the things that I hope we as a CrossFit community will do a better job of communicating moving forward. Yeah, I think that's so important. I have a follow-up question. Is it okay if I jump in, Nace? Oh yeah, go for it. I know you're a big, into mindset and psychology. And I totally am with you. Like, I think it's scalable and anyone should be able to walk in there. But I know as human beings, we're very driven by competition. And I think Mm -hmm. for the average person to walk in there and to see the PRs like up on the board, it's really hard, you know, especially for a female one, we have all these recovery metrics, but then as a female to have different parts of our cycle and, you know, we shouldn't be pushing ourselves hard at every time of the month. How do we walk in there and see the PRs, but then make the decision for ourselves that's best for us, knowing even if like with the best community, the best instructors that are going to support you in your decision, I feel like we're still kind of innately wired to like do more. How do we get out of that? Totally. That's a great question. And it's a hard thing to do. And I think you have to know yourself and some people I've seen, especially if they are in a situation where they really need to scale back the intensity for a while for their health where they just need to put themselves in a different environment, like maybe work out in the garage or with a friend or one-on-one with a trainer instead of in a group where they don't, they know that they may push themselves harder than is healthy for them at the time. Um, I think in part, it, it again comes from the culture that's created at the gym and by the trainers. It's how they, how you set the tone for what's appropriate and accepted and normal and that it's okay for, you know, not everybody has to push themselves to their limit every single day. That's maybe not the right intention and helping people sort of set their intention every day. Like I know when mm-hmm. you're thinking about just going to a yoga class and how many times do yoga instructors say, what's your intention for the class today? And sometimes yeah. it's not to really push yourself to get into a new pose. It's maybe something different. And so I think it's all about how we set the tone in the culture and then how that permeates um, among all of the members. Yeah. Great answer. Yeah. That's awesome. And I know you're a big fan of HRV testing mm-hmm. and And same, I had a great experience with CrossFit. I haven't done it in, I guess, four years now since I moved to Vegas, but I love the community. And especially with my background in ballet, like for me to be able to do like a thruster and a snatch with a barbell, like it was (laughs) mind blowing with like 25 years of ballet. So it was really cool to be able to walk in there and for the coaches to meet me where I was at. But anyways, the point of me getting to that is back then I wasn't doing heart rate variability testing and now I'm really into it. And I definitely change my workouts based off of that. Mm-hmm. And I'm doing more orange theory fitness now. And for example, I went in yesterday and instead of running, I walked on the treadmill because my HRV was down. Like I know it's down like a job, Renee. <laughs> but I'm sure the coach is like, why is she, why is her heart rate so low today? But I could have been like, oh, my HRV is down, you know? Yeah. So I'm curious, do you work with clients on that? Like combining HRV with where they should be training for the day? Yeah, absolutely. Well, so interesting that you said that one, because then isn't it interesting how we, we do that? Like you were thinking, oh, she's probably thinking about why why my heart rate. So we always are comparing or thinking about like, what is someone else thinking about when probably, yeah, she didn't even care, you know, Okay, yeah, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but I, uh, yes. So I, we at wild health, we work a lot with whoop and aura rings are probably the two most common devices we use to track HRV. Also anything that syncs with Apple health, but the whoop I know is big in the CrossFit community. And I think that that has been a great tool for trainers to help check in with their athletes at the beginning of class. Like, Hey, how is your recovery today? Or if you're in the red, you know, maybe it's not a good day to come to the gym or maybe it's a day to just do some light, you know, rowing or something like that on the side. Um, I think it really helps facilitate that conversation about what is the purpose of training today. 
and especially now for women too, they're adding more features that, um, allow for cycle tracking and looking at training during different phases of the cycle. So I think it's really opening that conversation on a much larger scale for, you know, athletes in any sport, um, or in any type of exercise to work with their trainers and make sure that the training that they're doing is really helping them achieve the purpose, um, that they're going for. Yeah. Great. Do you have a preference between the two trackers? I mean, I know they're wildly different, but aura is coming out with the activity tracking. Do you have a preference for yourself? So I wear both, but I only wear the aura at night because of all the barbell work and pull-ups and things like that with CrossFit. I just don't like wearing the ring while I'm exercising. So I really like the aura for sleep, but I also like the whoop for activity tracking. And I like the scores, um, that the whoop gives, cause it's just an easy way to reference. So, and they're both different. They both calculate HRV differently. So it's fun to compare and yeah, I like both. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Yeah. I have aura ring and biostrap and same thing. It's always fun to compare yeah. sleep scores, <laughs> the readiness scores and see what's going on. So yeah, I love that you're using the data to help clients with that. So I would love to take a little bit of a turn into more of the medical side. So Tell us a little bit more about wild health, precision medicine. Like how was that program so much, uh, or unique in its own way? So precision medicine is this idea that we want to create a very personalized plan for each person using all the information that we have at our fingertips, which is very different from how traditional medicine operates. So in your typical primary care office, mainly what you're doing is waiting until you get sick or you start having symptoms and then trying to figure out what's going on and treat that most of the times with medication. I think all of us realize that that's probably not the approach. If we want to maximize our health and our longevity, we want to try to be more proactive. And so this idea of let's use all the information we have at our fingertips, labs, wearable data, DNA, symptoms, how you're feeling, um, past medical history, what your current lifestyle and goals are. And let's take all that information and try to create a very precise, personalized plan for each person that's going to get them closer to their goals. Just as an example, for each patient, we have um, we generate a health report, which takes into account their DNA, their labs, questionnaire data about all different aspects of their lifestyle and history. And it spits out 50 pages of recommendations, which is a ton. That's all very personalized to them. But nobody is going to implement 50 pages of recommendations into their life and even, you know, and still be able to function. So the the whole idea there too is figuring out, okay, here's what your specific goals are. Here's what your lifestyle is like right now. Here's what's doable for you. Let's choose the things that are going to move the needle the most for you so that you don't do 10 things that are each going to get you 0.05% better. Let's choose the three things that each are going to get you 10% better. Um, so that overall we can try to move towards health and longevity and optimization in a really informed way. So with those labs, are you able to see like with the data, what will make the biggest change? So that's more of the art. That's more of the art, but we're, we're making sort of our best guesses based on all of these and informed guesses based on all this information and clinical experience. So, you know, any, in any combination where we're looking at it all together too. So I like to think about it as the labs are sort of the snapshot, the labs, the wearables symptoms, that's kind of the snapshot of where your health is now. Your DNA is your blueprint, but we know your DNA is in everything. Your genes are turned on and off based on your lifestyle and your decisions and your environmental factors. And so if there are some labs that are off, or if you're having some symptoms or, you know, your HRV has taken a 10% you know, decrease. And we want to address that. Let's make some informed decisions about what might be the things that would move the needle the most. And oftentimes we'll look at your DNA to inform that. So for example, if we're making a nutrition change, we might look and see, uh, based on your DNA, are you someone who is very sensitive to saturated fats or very sensitive to carbohydrates or whatever it is, um, to make sure that we're trying things that are going to be more likely to work the first time. And then we're going to retest those measures and see if what we're doing is actually working. So we're going to retest a lab. We're going to track your HRV. We're going to see if your symptoms are improving, whatever it is. Yeah. So it becomes a much more intelligent plan. We're all biohackers here. And with the N of one, we're kind of 
Yeah. It can be a little bit of a crapshoot at some point, but now we're gathering so much more information. I think the DNA is so indispensable. And I think a lot of people are overlooking it. I think some people poo poo it. They say, you know, it doesn't mean you're going to have that, but I think it, it creates a larger puzzle piece. And what I, I love when I get wild health reports from clients, I would say maybe 50% of my clients come in with prior labs and a good uh-huh. handful come in when they have wild health reports. I'm like, yeah, that's <laughs> awesome. It's just so yeah, it's comprehensive. Yeah. And I love, I mean, yes, I feel like 50 pages is a lot, but if you just go through the first five pages and a lot of times it's like avoid gluten, avoid vegetable oils, you know, the things that doctors are not telling patients, but everyone mm-hmm. kind of needs to hear. And then we get mm-hmm. it more into the nitty gritty. I love that you just kind of start with the basics and then it grows from there. Hey, biohackers. We have a brief interruption in today's episode to tell you about one of our favorite ways to buy some of our favorite organic non-GMO grocery staples. The website is Thrive Market, and we get so many of our favorite products from the site. Some of the things I really like to buy are the organic olive oil and avocado oil, other food items, everything from that to like, I get my laundry detergent, my body wash, even my Four Sigmatic mushroom coffee. I get everything in one place. And it's just so convenient that within a day or two, it shows up at my front door. And I know it's all really good quality stuff and it's all discounted. So it's really good prices on all of my favorite things. Uh, Lauren, what are some of your favorite products that you get from Thrive Market? everything that they sell, everything. There's so many fun things. I think this place is like Disneyland. I used to go to Whole Foods just because I thought the store was so pretty and I walk around and I buy things I didn't need. And now a Thrive Market, well, one, you get a 30%, up to a 30% discount. So the prices are way more friendly, but just really cool stuff like paleo and keto coffee creamers. You can basically buy almost the entire primal kitchen line, sauces, dressings, mayos, which are incredible. If you haven't tried them, things like jerky, I'll stock my cabinet with grain-free crackers or chips. So other things don't end up in the cabinet, if you know what I mean. (laughs) They also have tons of beauty products. So they're all EWG certified. So if you've gone to that website to check your beauty products, you could head over to Thrive to actually purchase them. And they are just always adding new companies, new products. There's always a new weekly discount and you always get freebies in your cart. So if you want to try something, if you're not familiar with the company, add a freebie, try it out. Best part, now they have organic, sustainable meat and seafood and clean wine. So it has really grown from just a pantry staple to a full grocery lifestyle experience. Yeah. It's so perfect for today's world too. We can get it all online. And I love that the company is always researching new products and they have a very high standard of what they allow to be sold on the website. So we're big fans. So if you want to check it out, check out the show notes for today. We will put the Thrive Market link in there and that link will automatically give you 25% off your first order. And that is on top of the regular discount. So if you want to try a bunch of things, head over, fill up that shopping cart, and you'll get it in the next couple of days. High quality at a discount. What is not to love? Head over to the Thrive Market. Absolutely. And I love what you said about the, the things that everybody probably knows. I think more often than not, I found this information to be very empowering for patients, not because it's stuff they didn't know was good for them already, but because they're seeing that it is personal to them. And so that yeah. provides a motivation factor that I think is very helpful. So, you know, I think most everybody, I never like to say everyone, but I think most people could benefit from doing a trial off of gluten, but most people are not willing to do that. But then when they see that their DNA puts them at a slightly increased risk for having gluten sensitivity or health problems because of gluten, they're more likely to do that trial, that end of one experiment on themselves and see the impact that it has. So a lot of times it comes down to motivation, whether it's the DNA or whether it's lab markers or wearables like your HRV or sleep trackers, your CGMs, things like that. Yeah. Such a great point to personalize. I think we could reverse engineer that and say, you know, if people had that information before they started something like the ketogenic diet, so many people start that before they know that they won't do well on saturated fat or that metabolism is altered. And then, you know, they feel terrible and they're like, oh, well, that was just a terrible diet. No one should do it. Totally. So, so good to have that information. Totally. Or, or still do the experiment, but then understand if you don't feel great or, you know, you're, you don't respond well, that could be why. And so maybe it isn't for everybody, or maybe it's not for you long-term. You don't have to fit into this box that everyone says, oh, keto diet is 
you know, the next new thing that's great for everyone. Yeah. Or good or bad. Maybe it's somewhere in between. (laughs) Yeah. Actually back when, back when I was trying more keto bulletproof was the same time I was doing CrossFit. It was like coincided. It was the same time. And I was starting to have like some adrenal burnout feelings and Mm -hmm. um, some belly fat. And I was like, I don't know, maybe this isn't working for me, but everyone's doing it right. It's got to work. I later found out that genetically I, I do better with, you know, low saturated fat. But I remember one day my buddy next to me, it was like thrusters, like 37 thrusters, some like crazy workout. And he's like, go, go, go. And I'm just like dead (sighs) on the floor. And I'm like, man, what did you have for breakfast? He's like, oh, I had a bulletproof coffee with my butter and MCT oil and I'm (sighs) on fire. And you're like, like, what? (laughs) But it just didn't work for me. So it does take some of that biohacking. And and then a funny story about the... I think getting the data and seeing it is super motivating. I literally just had a client this week where her GI map, her anti-gliadin numbers were super high. So I showed it to her. I'm like, I think getting off of gluten is going to be significant. I said, while I'm working on your plan, let's just get off of gluten. Don't worry about anything else yet. One mm-hmm. week later, she's like, is it possible that I've lost weight, my brain fog is gone, and I have more energy? She's like, is that even possible? I'm like... <laughs> If your numbers are that high, the data yeah. is really, I think, empowering. Absolutely. So I love that you're doing that. Absolutely. Yeah. I was going to say, it's interesting the things that motivate, you know, every, whether it's symptoms getting bad enough that, you know, you're really suffering and you're going to make a change, even if it's really hard, or whether it's some of this information about your DNA or your labs, it's different for everybody. And so, you know, our job is to always, help people get empower people with as much information as we can and then be there for them when they're ready to make the change. Mm-hmm. I'm curious what you're seeing with the DNA. What is producing like better compliancy maybe than other markers? Are there certain factors that really are kind of like a like big aha moments for people versus others that maybe they want to ignore? What are you seeing? In terms of like certain areas that, that, when it comes to DNA that people are more likely to respond to or be motivated by? Yeah. Be motivated by, I'm thinking like APOE, like most people are like, Mm. I want to know if I'm going to get Alzheimer's. What else are we seeing that maybe is like, Oh, that makes so much sense. And, and inherently creating some motivation there. Yeah. I would say APOE for sure. That's obviously a big one. I think actually the SH2B3 SNP, which is the gluten sensitivity SNP is a big one. And then probably the dietary, like the macronutrient SNP. So there's a whole host of them, like FTOs that have to do a saturated fat, IRS one, which is like both carb and fat, um, resistance. So things like that tend to have a big impact on people too, because people are so confused about their diets. They're like, I don't know what I should be eating. And I've tried every diet and nothing seems to be working. So finally having some guidance to say, okay, this is what you think we think you should respond well to based on your genes. It's very empowering. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 And I think people always want to know like, well, what percentage is the, are my genetics playing a role? (laughs) Like, do you think you can put a number on that or it really depends on how lifestyle is turning the genes on and off? Yeah. I don't know if I can really put a number on it, but I can say, um, for example, the APOE, which is one that people are often very concerned about with Alzheimer's risk when you have the higher risk APOE genotype, APOE 4.4, you, if you make the right lifestyle changes, meaning avoiding alcohol, eating a whole foods diet, doing fasting, exercising, getting enough sleep, all these base, like the basics, you can bring your risk back down to a normal population risk. So I think that's just one example where for some people, that it may take more work. They may be more sensitive. They may have to pay more attention. You know, think about like diabetes, for example, some people can eat a lot of carbs and never get diabetes because of their genetics. Other people are super sensitive. And so you may have to be more stringent or, uh, more attentive to some of the lifestyle behaviors that you are making. But I think, um, you know, a large majority of it is made up by our lifestyle. For someone that has become, I guess, genetics aside, for someone that has become sort of carb intolerant, what are the the biggest lifestyle things that you would say would move the needle there? Mm, I think fasting is a big one. Um, Tell us more. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I think for somebody who has some insulin resistance and 
who is struggling there, I think fasting is a great way to just help to reset all of those mechanisms. So giving your body some time to go into rest and repair mode, giving your body some time to kind of reset on the insulin sensitivity. is really big. I think a lot of the research that Dr. Jason Fung has done, he's written, you know, lots of books on fasting, I think is really fascinating. Taking diabetics who are on insulin, who have elevated A1Cs and they're just fasting. They're not changing their diets, but they're doing some 24 hour fasts, a couple of them throughout the week, I think. And they're coming off their medications and reversing their diabetes. So I do think, you know, I'm always a proponent of food quality, number one, but I think that especially when it comes to insulin resistance, that's something that is relatively easy to do and makes a big difference if you can just incorporate some fasting. Yeah. We love fasting. So it's great to hear that. So I think for someone with insulin resistance, it's really helpful. I think for cancer prevention, it's really helpful. I do think that as women, we have to be more mindful about fasting. I think that um, I've also seen the opposite where I have a lot of patients who are overdoing it on the fasting and it's having a negative impact on their stress hormones or mm-hmm. fasting and not eating enough carbohydrates and training too much. Like you have to look at your overall balance of stressors and make sure that you're, you know, recovering properly. Hmm. Yeah. I think a lot of people, people that are willing to fast, I see that their compliancy on that end, but then on the carb refeed, they're like, they don't quite go enough in that direction. And so there's not a a lot of balance there. Yeah. It's a great point. And I think, I think people too, it's, we always think more is better. So it's like, well, if I fast 14 hours, maybe 16 hours or 18 hours is better. Um, and then, you know, over time that can potentially cause problems. So I think it's all these things are hermetic stressors. It's what's the right dose. Um, and how do you balance them out with everything else you're doing? Comes back to the CrossFit conversation. I know many times I walked into the box. I was like, I'm going to do the most. (laughs) (laughs) Silly. It's all, it's all all, one of the quotes I've seen in a lot of CrossFit gyms is check your ego at the door. It's a hard thing to do because so many of us just want to, you know, we want to push harder. We want to do better. We're all high achievers. And so it's sometimes hard to a pill, hard pill to swallow to say less is more sometimes. Totally. Mm, I like that saying, check your ego at the door. That's great. <laughs> so I'm curious with hormones, what are you seeing on lab testing with women that are fasting too much or they're doing too intensive a workout? What are the main things you're seeing there? Yeah. I mean, I think it can show up in a number of different ways. I think as far as the typical labs that we check for people, you know, we check a full hormone panel. So so oftentimes it can start affecting thyroid. It can start affecting sex hormones. We'll check something called sex hormone binding globulin, SHBG, which can oftentimes be elevated when there is some increased signs of stress. So maybe not getting enough nutrition around workouts, too much fasting, not getting enough recovery. And DHEA is another one, which is a hormone precursor, which can sometimes be low, um, in a more stressed state. But I, I tend to, to look more at symptoms. I think the lab markers add some, but I tend to look more at symptoms and things like, you know, HRV trackers and just the overall sort of story that I'm hearing from the patient when we're talking about that. And then we test cortisol too. I think AM fasting cortisol is not the most reliable marker. It's just one time point. And then Dutch testing is something else that we do not in every patient, but when this is a a concern and can provide more information, I think can also be really empowering and motivating for the patient too. Yeah. That's awesome. Great. We love the Dutch chest. Yes. So with all of that intense workout and all the other things, we obviously want to balance that with sleep and recovery, which you're big on. Um, I'm curious, what would you say like your top three biohacks are for sleep and recovery? Ooh, good one. Could be more than okay. three if you have too many. <laughs> yeah, I might do more. <laughs> so I think for me, probably the, f- oh gosh, I don't know if I can put three. So three things that have really moved the needle for me or that I've noticed. I was never, I've never been a big alcohol drinker, but I do notice a huge impact if I do have a glass of wine or something and being mindful, like I'm not just going to have a glass of wine just for the sake of having one. I'm going to know it's going to impact my sleep and be really intentional about when I'm going to drink alcohol. I think that stopping eating three hours before bedtime is huge for sleep quality and also just great for that feeding fasting window in general and metabolism. Another kind of side note on that, there's a lot of genetic 
uh, risk there. So there's SNPs, there's one NPAS2, which suggests that there could be increased risk for cancer with altered circadian rhythm. So in our patients who have that SNP, we're suggesting that they fast for 12 hours each night and stop eating three hours before bedtime. And sometimes just seeing that is a good motivator when otherwise it would be hard for them to make that change. So it's just another example, but yeah, stopping eating three hours before bedtime. I think the environment is super important. The cool, dark, quiet, like temperature makes a huge difference. Doing a sauna or a warm bath or something before bed definitely helps with that. And then keeping it dark, like I wear an eye mask every night. And I think that's made a huge difference as well. Something else that's been interesting that's a more out there biohacking thing would be neurofeedback, which I've been doing lately. And that has had a big impact. I was surprised the dramatic impact that it had on my deep sleep. So prior to doing that, I was maybe getting, that wasn't bad, but I was getting about an hour and a half of deep sleep usually. And now it's always around two hours or more than two hours. So that was really interesting as well. What What kind kind of neurofeedback? (laughs) Thanks. <laughs> uh, you guys are good. <laughs> think alike. Tell her sisters. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, yeah. What kind of neurofeedback? <laughs> I have been doing it with Dr. Andrew Hill from the Peak Brain Institute. Oh, oh yes. awesome! We had him on yeah. the podcast a year or two ago. That's awesome. Yeah, he's great, and I I do think that their expertise and the customized protocols that they use are really um, powerful. So it's been cool to experience myself and see, you know, a lot of applications for patients as well. Great. Amazing. Yeah. I think sometimes there is a call for, for more of an intervention. I mean, we have to get the sleep hygiene under control, but sometimes we need a little bit more. I have the amp coil device. Are you familiar with that? No. EMF. That is okay. a needle for my deep sleep greatly. I mean, you know, I could dial in all the factors, but yeah, that really up leveled. So it's nice That's to know amazing. that sometimes there are some other things we can incorporate. I want to pick your brain about some exercise stuff with genetics. So I love on the report, there's like a very long list of SNPs. And I've seen with my own genetic reports, it kind of puts you in a category. Like, are you more of an endurance athlete or more of a power athlete? Now you kind of have a sliding scale on the wild Mm -hmm. fit report. What are your feelings on how much we should incorporate both? Like I don't like endurance. This is a personal question. I don't like endurance. So when I see that it says I'm a power athlete, I'm like, yes, never have to do cardio that, right. but I'm really going to do that. What our needs are for health and longevity and how do the, uh, the genetics play into creating a, uh, like a solid periodized plan for us? Great question. So I am coming at this from a CrossFit perspective. So in CrossFit, we obviously are very well-rounded and we want you to do all types of exercise, right? Resistance, aerobic, different time domains, different intensities, different modalities. And so I still think that's important. I don't think that, you know, when we look at genetics and whether you're more optimized towards strength or endurance, what we're looking at is how are you likely to respond to these different types of exercise? So for example, if you are more endurance biased, you may be someone who sees better improvements in your fitness and your results by doing endurance exercise. So if you are on endurance program and also me, who's more strength biased, or you said you were strength biased. So say you're doing an endurance program, you're more strength biased and I'm more endurance biased. And we both do this endurance program. I might make a lot more progress. Like I might increase my performance by 10% and you might increase it by 5% or something. This is all hypothetical, but I think that it's important for all of us to do all types of exercise. I think, especially whether it's, you know, CrossFit type or whether it's just doing aerobic exercise and strength exercise, I think we need both, especially as women, especially thinking about bone density long-term, especially thinking about, you know, our longevity and functionality and ability to do our day-to-day tasks when we're 95 and hundred years old, the strength is so important too. And endurance is so important for our cardiovascular health. But I think the genetics are more in this area, they're just more interesting. And maybe for some people, a way to inform how you could be more efficient in your workout. So if you, you know, I know, for example, um, like Dr. Matt Dawson, who is one of the founders of wild health, he had been doing a ton of long distance exercise, like triathlons, really long runs and races, spending a lot of time and feeling super run down. And then when he saw his genetics, I believe he was really strength biased based on his genetics. And so he started, he changed up his training and was just doing short hit type workouts, 
kettlebell workouts and he started to feel a lot better and perform a lot better and feel like, oh, this is a lot better for me long-term. So I think that it can potentially inform the type of exercise that you're doing or the, the route that you go down. But I think everybody would benefit from being doing a well-rounded exercise program, if that answers your question. Oh, it totally yeah. does. Yeah, there's always going to be a need for all of it. But I like that it's pushing you towards a more, it sounds like efficient way of exercising. Yeah. And I think for me, especially my CrossFit patients, what I've seen is it just helps people understand more what, how, why they're responding the way they are in the gym. So somebody who is going to a CrossFit gym doing the same classes as the person next to them, but somehow like this person has, you know, put 20 pounds on their back squat and my back squat is the same as it was, you know, two months ago. Why is that? Well, maybe because they're more genetically optimized to respond to strength training. And maybe I'm doing a little bit better in the longer endurance type workouts. So I think it just gives more context, if anything. And and maybe, yeah. you know, if your goal, like in CrossFit, our goal is to be well-rounded, then if you are more endurance biased, then maybe actually you'd benefit more by working on strength a little bit more because it's just an area that's going to be harder for you. It's, you know, maybe one of your areas of weakness that you'll be, have a greater benefit to your overall fitness by spending more of your time there. Hmm. Yeah. Great. Yeah. And, and I'm genetically the same as Lauren with that. So we, we've talked about that topic a lot. We're always wondering like, well, what should we be doing? And <laughs> so when I, when I show up to orange theory, you know, it's either power strength or endurance, or sometimes it's a combination. And whenever it's endurance day, I'm like, why did I come today? I should, <laughs> but I know that it's good for me. I need to be doing it at the it same is. time. You will not see me running a marathon. Like, you know, I feel like endurance <laughs> is good for the mindset. It's good for like mental resiliency. You got to do a little bit. Yes. Yes. Mind totally. over matter for sure. Yeah, so totally. thank you for breaking that down. That's really helpful. So it sounds like the genetics really are empowering by understanding the way that our ph- physiology is working. You know, it, it kind of takes away shame. It takes away a lot of doubt. Um, I know also with like cycle thinking for females, just understanding the changes throughout the month that also can empower us and take away some of the shame because you get these symptoms and you wonder if you're normal or if other people are feeling those things or if it's supposed to be. I think just by understanding your body, it really kind of dials down the stress and the tension and empowers you to make better choices and to like, I don't know, exist in your body better. (laughs) Any any comments totally. on that? Totally. Yeah. And I love what you said about the cycles. Cause I feel like it's still something that I encounter every month. I'm 33 years old and I always just usually am more emotional or have like, I get really clumsy the week before my period, like <laughs> just weird things. And every time I get so mad at myself, I'm like, what is wrong with you? Like, why are you so emotional this week? What's going on? And then I'm like, oh yeah, it's that. <laughs> It's that week again. So I started, I actually started a few months ago setting a reminder for myself to be like, Hey, heads up this week. Like you might be more emotional and just being more kind to myself because, um, it's, you know, we, I think we tend to, or at least culture tells us that we should just be pushing through and we should just be, you know, trying to, you know, not, not acknowledging the impact that our hormones have or the different phases of our cycle have instead of really embracing them and using them to our advantage. And I think there is a way to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Not being the same every single day, which sounds Mm -hmm. kind of boring. I don't know. (laughs) So it's fun that we're, we're I don't want to be happy every day. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny now, like I, I get like maybe just a little snappy two days before my cycle starts. And, and now my husband knows he's like, I think you're getting your period tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, cycle tracker. Yeah. We don't need yeah. a nap. Just ask your husband. Right. Just ask right. your spouse. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Awesome. I love that. Yeah. I love that. Oh my goodness. I'm curious about Wild Health's practitioner program because we do have a lot of listeners that are health mm-hmm. practitioners. So what, I guess, who would that be for? Great question. That was actually probably one of the top things that attracted me to Wild Health in the first place was the fellowship that they have. So this, you know, Matt and Mike who started Wild Health sort of taught themselves how to practice precision medicine. And there isn't a lot of great education out there. And it was taking them a really long time to incorporate all the latest evidence you know, go through each patient's data to be able to do this in practice. And they realized this is really powerful. We want to be able to teach everybody how to practice medicine this way. So they created the fellowship 
which is a 12 month long program for physicians and also health coaches and health coaches come from all different backgrounds, really any type of coaching background, whether it's in healthcare, fitness, nutrition, and it really empowers you with the information you need to practice precision medicine. And you also are able to go through yourself through the wild health program as a patient. So you're able to apply it to yourself to bring in some of your family or friends or other people to sort of practice and get the hands-on experience. And it really decreases the learning curve. So thinking about, you know, when I was coming out of residency, I was thinking about opening my own direct primary care practice. And when I learned about wild health and got to know what they were doing and seeing how consistent it was with the way I wanted to practice medicine, I thought, oh my gosh, I want to be on this team because it really allowed me to level up in my own skills in precision medicine much more quickly. And and then the way that we apply this at Wild Health with the health report and the algorithm that we use, it really helps us to stay up to date on any of the latest evidence and be able to apply that to all of our patients in a really efficient way. So long, long winded answer, but it's a 12 month program. It's a lot of clinical sort of learning, which is self-paced videos. We do weekly webinars. So you get to interact with all the other fellows, which is super cool because everyone comes from so many different backgrounds and learn from each other. And then you get the clinical experience as well, which I think is really important and not something that you get in a lot of other similar programs. Yeah. Yeah, Very comprehensive. I heard Dr. Matt Dawson say one time how the, the piece with the health coaching, like you really are combining that. He's like, you know, a physician can tell you all day to eat this, not that, do this, that, whatever. But you need someone to be able to maybe coach you through how to actually make the habit changes. And so I love that really wild health is combining the two. Absolutely. It's the stuff isn't, uh, isn't easy. It's simple. Most of it's simple, but it's not easy when we think about our day-to-day lives and how to make these changes and making, you know, multiple changes and navigating sort of the ups and downs of it. So having somebody that you can um, ask questions and that can help guide you along the path, I think is really powerful. And we really do approach everything as a team. So all of our appointments are with a doctor, patient, and health coach. So we always meet the three of us together. Whenever you're meeting with the doctor, your health coach is always there, which I think is just really important because everybody has useful insight and ideas. And then we all make sure that we're on the same page when it comes to the plan and how we're going to implement it and what we're going to focus on. Mm, That's a great team. So awesome. So from the client or patient perspective, what does that journey look like when they come in, they get the report? Are you doing like, how many follow-ups are you doing? What is the the long-term journey, I guess, depending on the goals? Yeah. So when a patient comes in, um, they are going to start by getting lab. So comprehensive lab panel, DNA kit, And then they'll fill out a lot of questionnaires. So lots of things we want to know about every aspect of your lifestyle, your nutrition, exercise, any symptoms you're having, your medical history, all that good stuff. And then you'll have an initial call with your health coach just to sort of get to know you, to better understand your goals, your lifestyle. And then once your labs come back, you sit down for your first meeting with your doctor and your health coach. And that's where we go through your health report, or at least, you know, the the first few most important sections of your health report. And we'll come up with a plan together of here are the top few things that are going to align and help you get closer to your goals um, that we all agree are the the steps that we want to take. And we'll decide on what our outcome measures are going to be and when we're going to remeasure those. And then from there, you'll alternate meeting with your health coach or with your health coach and your doctor to implement that plan. We'll recheck you know, recheck labs, see where things stand and then iterate on that plan over time. And we'll work through, you know, over time, we'll work through the whole report. There's sections on nutrition, exercise, sleep, um, mindfulness, or neurobehavioral. There's chronic disease, like insulin resistance, inflammation, um, Alzheimer's disease, cardiovascular disease, and there's a longevity section too. So over time, we'll work through all those and really just optimize every aspect of your health. That's so amazing because the health coach became a thing in this world because we needed to bridge the gap between the patient, the client and the doctor. And Mm -hmm. we kind of bridged that, but now we still need to bridge the gap between the health coach and the doctor. (laughs) Like some, some missing part here. Cause unless those two are talking, you know, you go to the doctor and they say this, this, and that, not that. And the health coach says, say something completely different. Having them on a team is so powerful. Totally. And it's so hard to think about, like nowadays, how hard it is to create your team, right? Whether it's 
you know, your doctor, health coach, maybe you have a dietitian, maybe you, you know, go get acupuncture, maybe you have a massage therapist. Like most people are seeing multiple chiropractor, multiple different practitioners who are helping them with their health. And wouldn't it be great if we were all on the same page and all had the same information and we're working together? Um, that would be the ultimate dream. And we've had some good success with that. Like some of our patients, especially the professional athletes who will bring in maybe their coaches or their nutrition coaches to their appointments so that we can all kind of be on the same page, which I think works really well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That team aspect of being able to help a patient is so incredible. Um, I actually, fortunately was, uh, working at a center back in Maryland a couple of years ago where we had that we had physicians, nurse practitioners, chiropractors, acupuncturists, go on and on and on. That's amazing. And we could share soap notes in the iPad and I would be sitting down with a client and be like, okay, well, the chiropractor said this and the acupuncturist said this. And they're like, mm-hmm. you can see their notes. Like, <laughs> what a mind blowing about you. <laughs> you. Can't lie to me. I know everything. No. Right. So that's so wonderful that you're bridging the gap. And like Lauren said before, the reports that you all are doing are beyond impressive. They're just incredible. Mm-hmm. So I just wanted to throw this in real quick. So if anyone is interested in working with wild health, um, you all were kind enough to give us a discount code. Uh, babes 10 for 10% off any services. So thank you so much for offering that to our listeners. We appreciate that. Yes, absolutely. Hope you guys will check it out and let us know what you think. Yes, absolutely. All right. Well, Julie, this has been incredible. Thank you for all of your amazing wisdom. Um, Before we let you run, we want to ask one final question. If you can give our audience one final piece of advice that they can start doing hopefully today to improve their health and wellness, what would that be? Oh, Great question. Okay. I'm going to give this one that's just random, but I did a Instagram post about it last night is dance. Um, I just recently started, um, I'm, so I am not someone who's, I've always been super self-conscious about dancing, but I started adding it to my morning routine. So like the last thing I do is just put on fun music and dance in my bedroom for like two or three minutes. And it has been a game changer. Just like no matter what mood I'm in, no matter what I'm thinking about, it instantly shifts me. So I think that's a great thing. I don't, I'm sure it's been studied and looked at all the impacts it has on your cortisol and blood pressure and all their kinds of things, but it just makes you feel good. <laughs> I hey, love that so much. We grew up dancing. So that is a part of ah, our lives very that's much. Awesome. No one has ever said that on our show as a guest. So I am like, <laughs> I'm so happy right yes. now. All Great right. advice. Glad it was something language. new. <laughs> yes. Yes. No, it's so powerful. Our body is our greatest instrument. Totally. And music and a little dancing is so healing. So thank you. I love that. Totally. So much. That's awesome. <laughs> thank you so much, Julie, for spending your time with us today. Where can our audience find you? Well, you can find Wild Health at wildhealth.com or at wildhealthmd on Instagram. Me personally, the best place to find me is probably Instagram at Julie Fouché. You can see my embarrassing dancing video that I posted yesterday. Um, (laughs) Or you can listen. My podcast is called Pursuing Health and Wild Health has a podcast as well. Perfect. Thank you so much. All right, everyone check her out. And thanks everyone for tuning in today. We'll see you next time. Love this episode of the Biohacker Babes podcast? Head over to Apple Podcasts to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. We truly appreciate your support. Until then, happy biohacking. This podcast offers health, fitness, and nutritional information and is designed for educational purposes only. You should not rely on this information as a substitute for, nor does it replace professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. If you have any concerns or questions about your health, you should always consult with a physician or other healthcare professional.